Welcome back to the Pro Shots Podcast, where today we cover new guns, range etiquette, and practicing at home. We hope you enjoy the podcast. Let's get the conversation started. All right, welcome back to the Pro Shots Podcast. And again, this week we have Ben. Say hey, Ben. Howdy. The no-name, raised-by-wolves, pixelated <laughs> Kelly himself. Uh, so I don't have to introduce myself. All right, cool. That'd yeah. be like a cool band name for you. Pixelated Kelly? No, just raised-by-wolves. Raised-by-wolves. Oh. That's probably already taken. It, it probably is. We were joking about that one day. Josh and I said, yeah, there's probably a band named Crowbar. And we looked it up, and there's literally a band named Crowbar. So Was it like a 90s rock band? It's like some death metal craziness. Oh. Uh, and, of course, me, Richard, as always here trying to keep things civil but we're all here after a long hard day's work right yeah how was it i was here earlier today how was the day yeah it's up and down it's just busy here and busy there the store gets busy you got to run out there and quit gunsmithing then i get busy back here and it's just here and there gotcha 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 uh well while we're talking about the range let's go ahead and cover range news while we're at it, uh, I, I kind of want to talk about selling that 240. 249? 249. Yeah, that went quick. Like a couple of days. Less than a week. Yeah. Probably like two days. You're right. That now it's pretty awesome. So I want to talk about, I said it's a whatever, $9,000 20-pound AR. Yeah. Because it's some automatic 5.56. It would look cool mounted to my Nissan, of course, but... You said it's a little more than that. It is because it can be belt fit, but yeah, um, it does have what appears to be a correct sear in the bottom for your trigger. So it just has a semi-automatic bolt, which I've never seen that thing before. Huh? So then you could do like paperwork and convert that if you had the. Uh, I don't know. Um, if you had your class be, three. Could be totally wrong, but it appeared to be that the bolt was the only thing that's different. I mean, because... Yeah, because they're normally an open bolt <coughs> gun, right? Yep. And it was converted to be a closed bolt in the... It's, uh... I don't like the way they did it, because it means... I don't know. It's... I don't like the way they did it, but I it works, I guess. It's just odd compared to what you were used compared, to. Yeah, compared to what I'm used to. It's not... Well, so it, it still maintains the interchangeable barrels. Mm-hmm. It can be belt-fed. Yep. From a box... And you can apparently stick a AR mag in the side of it as well. Yep. So, I mean, it looks, for all intents and purposes, made by the same company. It's just a civilian version of. Well, they put out their, um, like, military collector pieces. Like, they've got their M4A1. They've got their M16A4. And it's, like, a exactly like it would be issued to insert branch. And so I think that's what they're doing with this one, just kind of going to the nth degree of what they make that is still available for the population to purchase once they make it semi-auto. want to point out, too, when that gun first came out, it was around three grand. Yeah. And that one sold for ten. And I looked at the prices that we purchased that gun, and it's insane. How much prices have gone up? Yeah. Yes. Like, uh, the price the store paid for it is double what it retailed for, like, four years ago. Yeah. Well, that's a trend in gun prices generally. Well, we were looking at for a fair price to put it on 
put on it in the store, we were looking at Gunbroker, and they had it listed for like twenty three thousand dollars. Well, it's like uh, on a bidding war, obviously, but still. Yeah. Um, I guess it's rare enough that people are willing to pay absorbent money. Yeah, I was gonna say it's like chicken teeth. Mm. You know, mm. if if it's the only one out there, and somebody wants it bad enough, they'll buy it. It was cool to have in the store and see and yeah, know, mess with. Have my picture taken with it and then <laughs> sell it to somebody else. <laughs> For all two days it was here. I mean, it, literally from Tuesday to Friday. Yeah, it wasn't here very long at all. No. And I guess if we're talking about range news, store news, um, that that's kind of the way most guns are going. Hard to tell what we're going to get in. And, you know, ordering stuff is still difficult because we don't know if we order when we'll get it in. So Speaking of that, we are doing away with our wish list. Mm-hmm. Um, so we are no longer writing down information regarding who wants what firearm just because the wish list has become so large of an undertaking. that Gojira. Yeah, and then by the time we actually get the firearm you're looking for and call you, you've already probably found that gun somewhere else. Yeah. So we are just uh, no longer doing the wish list. So what about special orders? I think we're going to start opening those up, aren't we? Yeah, yeah for what we can get in stock, yeah. Where you put like 50% down. Yeah. But it's still, you know, ordering stuff is going to be a nightmare because you never know. Well, it could be available today. And then by the time, you know, we actually purchase it from our distributor, they've run out of stock because somebody else somewhere else did the same thing we did. Yeah. And they had that one, and they just got their money first. So um, it's still going to be a, a kind of a touchy field, but we will do our best to kind of keep up with it, I suppose. Yeah. Crazy times for firearms retailers. I was telling somebody today, you know, he was like, uh, you guys stay busy. I was like, yep, since 2020. Yeah. And he just kind of was like, no way. I was like, yeah, it's been two years, and we've just been, you know, rolling through it best we can. Ammunition sales, too. Yeah. I do want to say, though, despite the amount of business we're doing, because of the ups and downs of the the economy revolving around guns, profit has not been where I think it could have been. Like, if we had the same kind of volume pre-pandemic, Oh, yeah. It would have been, like, profit would have been much better. But now we're buying guns. At a higher rate. Yeah, we're buying, well, we're buying at a higher price. Yeah. And then, so, once we buy our inventory, the price fluctuates so much that you can go somewhere else, potentially, and find it cheaper, and then we're stuck holding on to a more expensive gun. That or you shrink your margin. Yeah. Which affects profit, so. Not to get into too much of the business, but, yeah. Absolutely. Any business. It could have been washing machines. Oh, dude, it's been, you know, toothbrushes. Name it. Name it in 2022. Toilet paper. Everything. Yeah, goodness. 20, <laughs> 2020 toilet paper. Um, so still, a couple of... Got some. Yeah. So do I. <laughs> oh, I'm, I never ran out. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mr. Prepper. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, so what about some uh, issues in the range? Shots above the line? Throwing away your ammo in our trash can. Yeah. And, and this would be general rules for any range you visit, so yeah. not just us. The operators would always appreciate it that you not put live ammunition in their trash. Yeah. Is that a good idea? Yeah. So I found, uh, like, we were changing the trash in the range, uh, like we do every morning and halfway through the day usually. And uh, I noticed there was this rattling sound on the bottom of the trash can. And I looked in it, and there's about, I don't know, 10 steel case uh, AK rounds, 76239. I go pick them up, like, oh, well, somebody just dumped a box in here, didn't know. And every one of them have a, a hard hit primer that didn't go off. So it's technically a hang fire, and you you put it in the bottom of a trash can filled with paper, and 
you know. And I was just like, ah, oh, that's really not a good thing to have in a range. Just a bunch of hang fires beneath a, a bunch of very flammable items. Especially when you're not allowed to shoot steel-cased ammo in that range. Exactly. <laughs> and so two, two right there. But anyway, um, if you happen across something like that, uh, please just throw it out on the range or inform somebody at the range you're shooting at. Yeah. Um, or ask. Or hey, if, what do I do or if they have a, a dead load bucket, which is usually like a like a Brita or a Primo water jug filled with about halfway full of water. Yeah. Throw it down in there if they have one posted like that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> additionally, you were talking about shots, shots above, above the line. Yeah. On all our, our backers, we have a please do not shoot above this line. Uh, or please do not hang your targets above this line. All shots should be below this line, I think, is what it's more more or less like. Yeah. And uh, that's so that you're not zipping rounds off our ceiling. It's not a challenge. Yeah, please please don't. There's it's also reason. the reason your dad had to weld this armor plating for the back of the range. Yeah, we, right. we're about <laughs> done with that. So. Um, I, I, always, I kind of always thought about this, and I know that people just honestly don't realize that the angle that they're shooting at affects you know where their bullet goes because you know if you shoot at a target at three yards and you're seated and you hung the target at head level when you were standing you're shooting the ceiling at 15 yards yep and conversely if you're shooting like our concealed carry target which has uh i think a couple of zones lower like in the abdomen yep at three yards you're shooting the floor at 15 yards yep I just think people don't pay attention to it. So it's, it goes back to one of the firearm safety safety rules. Know your target and what's beyond it. Rule number five. Rule number five. There are only four. They have an extra one. I'm sure. Keep your safety on them until you're... Yeah. Yep. Anyway. Who's they? You and Bob and yeah. whoever else. Oh. Some guns don't have safety, so... Yeah. Well, it's an unspoken rule. <laughs> Finger off the trigger until you're on target and ready to shoot. And have a legal you right tell to that fire. to the guy from Black Hawk Down? <laughs> yeah. This is my safety, I got sergeant. my safety right here, Sergeant. <laughs> yeah, that guy's a... Operator. Green Beret or no. That's a hot <laughs> weapon. <laughs> after, awesome. after having the 249 in the shop, I had to go watch Black Hawk Down. Well, of course. I still have not watched Quigley Down Under. I'm still going to get an answer for the... It's sharps. I'm I telling am you. so certain it's not. It's I'm bigger gonna, than I'm going to prove it. And referencing other podcasts, I had to go look up what the replacement cost of a turkey actually was in North Carolina, and it's one thousand. Oh, this is from the last podcast we did. Yeah, it's one thousand six hundred and seventeen dollars. Nice for a wild turkey. Do you have any more? Uh, Tundra Swan, one thousand seventy-eight. Hmm. Shoot a gray or a red squirrel out of season, seventeen dollars. Uh, a fox squirrel's fifty-four bucks. No, that's out of season. Yeah, that's the one I want to hunt. Yeah, there's all kinds. Nineteen dollars for a skunk. Excuse me. Thirty-seven dollars so for a pheasant. Include running them over. I don't think so. A goose would be one hundred and twenty-five dollars. Fox would be twenty-five hundred dollars to replace a fox. Gracious. That's insane. Oh no, they they transposed a line. The fox is eighty-eight. An elk is twenty-five hundred dollars. Well, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, North Carolina elk's a little more rare. A deer, six hundred and two dollars. So a deer's a thousand dollars cheaper than a turkey. Yep, a black bear is two thousand two hundred thirty-two dollars. Mm. Any endangered species, four thousand nine hundred sixty dollars. Any threatened species, four thousand three hundred thirteen dollars. It gets expensive, and they can take your equipment. So well, that's just 
can't believe they assign costs to animals. It's kind of weird, but every state has that. So now that got started with a whole trout conversation. Yeah, we were so. talking about um, poaching, poaching seeing, trout, seeing where poachers were the night before at a trout stream, and uh, he was talking about turkeys, and we just kind of got off on the tangent. But and then I went back to the tangent to get the actual numbers. Mm-hmm. So anyway, um, is it a tangent if you come back to it? I think it's a theta at that point. <laughs> <laughs> Are you doing math? No. Don't do math. I don't do drugs. <laughs> oh, you said math. I'm sorry. <laughs> good one. Good one. Speaking of wildlife, uh, I guess that would be a good time to segue into they found chronic wasting disease in Yakinville. Yeah, that's pretty close. Is Yakinville or Yakin, Yakin County? County? Yakin County, I mean, sorry. Yakin County, yeah. One's a little smaller. But uh, first, I think first confirmed case, the the wildlife resources uh, confirmed it. So Jared the other day got a text, and then he went and hunted it down, and we actually have our first case of CWD. So if that becomes a thing, that changes how you deer hunt yeah. this year because you have to, like, submit stuff for testing. and You have to take samples. You have to take samples. He was saying maybe before you skinned it, you should Out. call your, your wildlife resource commission Yeah, and kind of ask them what their policy is on, you know, determining that, uh, the outbreak, I guess. So I guess for all hunters this year, maybe want to check on that before the season starts because we got, you know, when, when I start turkey hunting, it's no time until it's time to start deer hunting. Right, it's right then and there. Yeah. The, um, the North Carolina Wildlife Resource Commission actually has a pretty good mailing or like mailer that they send out uh, to email. It's like once a week, and it has a ton of information on what's coming up that week and that month. So if and if they have anything pop up like you know, oh, black bear season is going to be a day longer, or you know, chronic wasting disease found in Yadkinville or Yadkin County, it'll be in that. So if you're mm-hmm. a hunter or an outdoorsman or you fish, I recommend getting on that. And Can you eat the meat if they have CWD? I'm, I'm unclear. I think you can. You have to cook it well. And that's mostly because I think I heard that on Ranella. Yeah, he's talking about eating it. I think it's... I think it it was one of those things where, of course, you're talking about a guy who's eaten a coyote before. so And had trichinosis twice. And, and had trichinosis twice. But he's like, none of my friends will eat it, but if you cook it, it's fine. Yeah. I tend to... I mean, me in my personal life... Yeah, I tend to fall into the Ranella camp on stuff like that. Yeah. But I've had no experience with it. You said your brother-in-law? Uh, yeah, he shot a, or, well, he was hunting with bow, and he harvested a deer that was um, clearly had, I mean, clearly had CWD, and uh, this was, this was two years ago now. But not in the state. No, yeah, that was in North Carolina. Oh. That was in Westfield. Oh, wow. Mm. Shoot. That's crazy. I We, one of my friends shot an albino deer one year. This is tangent. But the meat looked different. When we skinned it out, the muscle. So, like, the blood was pigmented differently. It was. Interesting. And, and so the muscle wasn't at that deep, rich, dark red. What did it, what did it meat. taste like? I don't know. We gave it to somebody. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> so the scientific process stopped that. That looks weird. That looks different. <laughs> I'm not eating that. Okay. But we, had, we knew somebody, and they were like, oh, I'll eat it. I don't care. And so we gave it cool. to them. In some states, it's illegal to shoot a piebald or a what or a uh 
albino. So, I wonder what basis that is on. Well, a lot of times, originally, it was superstition. Oh, so like you can't eat ice cream on Sunday or something in yeah. Nevada. Yeah. Those kind of odd laws that, yeah. Kelly's looking at me like I've just yeah, <laughs> grown what? something out of my head. But, uh, yeah, there's like a bunch of really weird laws that from like the 1800s that are still on the books. Um, like you can't eat uh, something like you can't eat ice cream while walking down the sidewalk on a Tuesday or something like that. Because one guy at one time did something wrong while doing that, and they just said, nope, not in this town. That's insane. And so it still holds. Mass punishment at its best. Yep. Yeah. Bad apple theory. So, yeah, watch out for the CWD. But my understanding is if you cook it, um, you should be fine. Just like hogs, you know. Hogs are going to have trichinosis. Wild hogs. Yeah. Basically always. Better. And, and farmed hogs used to always have. So you're, you're always just better off cooking that meat until it's done. Mm. And that'll take care of it. I mean, there's all kinds of different bugs and parasites and stuff in fish and i mean i won't eat i i don't eat raw shellfish yeah because i can't but i wouldn't if i could so i was i was always curious you know like uh brain worm and deer Mm -hmm. how that would affect um because you know if it's you know messing up their nervous system something else is going on with the musculature and stuff yeah but i was always worried about you know shooting a brain worm deer and going oh can't eat that yeah but you'd probably be all right. Cook it. How would you know? Uh, well, so technically, you would you would see like the effects of, of a deer with brainworm. They'd be walking in circles, or their head would be sideways, or their tongue would be hanging out. Something weird that would just make you go, "That deer's got an issue." Um, but I guess in the early stages, they could have it, or like heartworm or something, something odd. Yeah, parasitic infection in an animal would always kind of. I would I would assume it freaked most people out. Oh, yeah. But I saw a guy, uh, this might be, that's not graphic. Anyway, I saw a guy cooking fish, wild-caught fish, down in Florida. And uh, he's, you know, scaling it, filleting it out. And he just has pliers. He pulls the worms out of the... Nematodes? Yeah, nematodes out of the fish, cooks it up, and they eat it. I'm like, how many of those did you miss, buddy? Yeah. But I guess once they're cooked, it's all protein, but still... It was a little freaky to see that he's just so used to it. Yeah. You know, they're living on wild-caught food. They eat iguanas, too, and alligators. And uh, he's like, oh, there's a worm. That doesn't hurt anything. Shoop. Came out like a bot fly. I'm like, what in the world? (laughs) Well, I mean. Like it overrides it. (laughs) If you've ever ever had somebody, like, uh, ask you or or if you've tried yourself to, I guess, deflesh a deer skull for You'd be amazed at how many have bot flies in their nasal cavities. Oh, yeah. Every one of them. Almost. Every single one of them. And it's super gross when you run into one. I was like, sitting here Ugh. thinking that. The the taxidermist where I take any deer that I shoot that's worthy enough to get mounted, he's got a jar. Oh, that's <laughs> you got to have a strong stomach. <laughs> he collects them. So. But that's basically a bot fly. Yeah. So they live in the nasal cav- cavities of deer. So it's just like finding ticks on something. There's all kinds of parasites out there. But well, one could say if a bird gets infections flying through the air, a fish would get infections. Swimming through swimming the water. Swimming through the ocean. Yeah. So. Everything does. Yeah. So, uh, but we'll pay, we'll pay close attention to that. If it becomes an issue, maybe we'll come back to it, the yeah. chronic wasting disease. I think they also call that blue tongue disease. Mm-hmm. And, You'll find those deer dead near water, is my understanding. Yes. Yeah. So that's something that I've heard of in relation to it being called blue tongue. Mm-hmm. Apparently when they go to drink, I guess they uh, 
I don't know. They just they drown themselves, basically. Yeah. I might get that on the Googles while we're here talking. Um, new gun news. Any new gun news? We kind of already talked about that with the 249. Oh, yeah. That was that was just my range. I was just excited about that. But In general, Stig came out with that new uh, P365 and 22, and everybody thinks it's going to be a game changer when it's, it's just well, another. Is it 20 rounds, though? Yeah. I mean, that's kind of cool. Are we going to have issues like the Glock 44? I'd have to see one, but I'm going to suspect, based on SIG's uh, previous 22 pistol ventures, that it's going to be an all-aluminum uh, slide and shouldn't have too many issues out of something like that. Hmm. But uh, You have a lot more faith than I do. Well, the SIG Mosquitoes and stuff like that that were made by, I think, GSG for SIG. They had issues, but Sig did make some okay little 22s for a little while. Um, I'd like to see one at least. I think the Keltecs have done a really good job. Yeah, they really the have. The P17, I think. Yeah. It's a pretty slick little Taurus gun. Taurus has one that everybody loves. The TS-22. Yeah. Phenomenal gun for for what it is. Yeah. Well, I mean, you could say that about any 22 semi-automatic handgun. For what it is, they're usually pretty good. Um, I think they fit into just like a weird category of gun that uh, people get excited about because it's a range toy, but when that wears off, I think they they sit in a lot of people's safes. Um, just typically after the first time they clean them, because <laughs> they get so dirty. Yeah. But. Um, so that's all I can think of off the top of my head. Um, CWD is a prion disease. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. Uh, that, there's been no evidence of transmission from um, animals to humans uh, but it does say that certain primates that eat the meat of infected deer can get it mm. so um, that's probably just because those chimpanzees aren't cooking it well enough <laughs> that's it uh, you know this the this is the who they say you know you're you have to be uh, the lo- you have to determine the level of risk you're willing to accept and, and that's the World Health Organization, not the awesome yeah. band from the city. Wow, exactly. so they're, they're letting us trust, you know, our judgment? Uh, a little bit. Wow. But they do say check state wildlife and public health guidance to see whether testing of animals is recommended or required in a given state or region. So um, they strongly suggest having your animal tested before eating the meat. You Plus it's a monitoring tool for the yeah. wildlife resources. Get it vaccinated. <laughs> well, you heard about the deer with COVID thing. Yeah, and how some states were considering, like, wiping out a large population of the deer. To yeah. Well, they, they oh were, like, giving gosh. out guidelines with, like, uh, data sheets and pictographs and, you know, make sure you wear a mask. and Nose swabs, I'm yeah. sure, to get those box cover, cover the nose uh, with, like, a plastic bag so the deer can't breathe on you from <laughs> compressing the lungs or something like that. And it was just silly stuff. They do say if it tests positive, don't eat the meat. And they're saying you should wear gloves um, and stay away from organs, especially the brain or spinal cord tissues. Oh, yeah. man, those are the ones I go for. Yep. Craziness. I can understand staying away from, like, the liver and the ophel and stuff. Oh, the the heart. Yeah. The tongue. Mm. Craziness. Mm. But anyway, so uh, it's that time of year. I went camping. This past weekend, maybe one week too early, 
Because it was a little cold, right? Yeah, it was, got down to, I think one night it was in the 20s, but it was the 40-mile-an-hour wind gust that made it difficult. Well, that makes it in, like, the, the teens. <laughs> yeah. The zeros. And I was, I was using my backpacking kit, so that's a very sparse amount of clothing. Were so. you uh, in a hammock? Yes. Yeah, that'll do it. The hammock was wonderful. It was just outside the hammock? Yeah, just out. I had every piece of clothing. I, the the second night, I had to put on my raincoat, which is that's like your last line of defense because yeah. of the wind. And it, that, that was good enough. But it was fun. It was good getting out, um, especially after being cooped up for so long. Um, and we had fun understanding you're going to go fishing. As soon as I can, man. Probably next week. I kind of feel like next week is going to be when it happens. April 9th, turkey season starts. What are you doing outdoors? Uh, I'm going camping with some other employees from Pro Shots. Oh, um, my word. Yeah, it's going to be a fun time. How many guns are you taking? Uh, probably just the one. I'd take one for each of them. Well, um, they they might have theirs, but I mean, I'm just taking mine. Oh, yeah. No, I meant. <laughs> huh. What if they try to find oh, you? Oh, I got you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know who you're camping with, so. Well. Hmm. There may or may not be plans in place. We have enough. We have enough wildfires. Thanks. Western North Carolina is already burning. So, <laughs> is it really? Oh yeah. Great Smoky Mountains. Again. Aptly named. Mm-hmm. Wow. There was just another fire in Surrey County up in Low Gap, and I think it went out. And then, uh, yeah. It's been a crazy year for Pilot Mountain. Well, I'm, I'm just convinced that Pilot Mountain just spontaneously combusts every year. Yeah. They used to just light it on fire to just get it over with. Well, that, well that, that's what started it a couple yeah. years back, like 10 years ago. Yeah. There is that kind of natural order of things to yeah. wildfires. It just wants to relive its life as a volcano. Right, <laughs> right. It's so used to the heat. <laughs> Needs it again. So I guess today we're not doing Caliber Wars. Yeah, there's just nothing. I could find something, but... Yeah, no. Let's talk about practicing at home instead. Yeah. The meat and potatoes. So if you are cooped up... Yeah. Or you can't afford gas to get to the range... And then you can't afford the bullets once you get there. (laughs) Yeah. If you've recently bought a 30 Super Carry and can't find (laughs) ammo... Thank God for dry firing. I don't think... Wait, wait. You can't dry fire your guns. That that breaks them. No, no you, you can't dry fire twenty twos and rim fires. Yeah. Uh, that does damage them. I thought you couldn't dry fire any gun because that's what everybody says. No, I had somebody tell me they didn't want me to dry fire their nineteen eleven because the trigger was so special, and I was like, "Do what?" They said their the trigger had been tuned so perfectly that if you dry fired, it would damage the tuning, and I just kind of shook my head and said, "I don't think you understand how triggers work." Well, what does the gunsmith say about that? The trigger has nothing to do with the hammer, other than it moves the bar that touches the hammer. Um, I'm trying to think of what rationale that would come from. Well, I think that was Kelly's point. I, yeah, it's, it wasn't there's, rational. There's well. nothing there <laughs> that would cause... So when your gun fires, then, it's violent, more violent than dry fire. By far. You're, you're rebounding off of the slide that's moving back at 100 miles an hour slamming into the frame yeah um, so it i think the problem occurs when you have a a shouldered firing pin inside of your yeah. bolt or your whatever mechanism and the shoulder of the firing pin ends yeah. up getting smacked against the inside of your bolt face yeah. versus the a tip sp- of the a spring-loaded firing pin that yeah 
holds so itself away. Striker fire gun, but not a concern. Yeah, never. No. By any stretch of the imagination. It's designed that way. A gun with a hammer and a firing pin could be a concern. Depending if it's on a the shoulder. And a twenty two. Why can't I dry fire if I can dry fire my why, well, why <laughs> it's like like a wise man once said, it's like posi track on a Plymouth that just does, you know. Uh, <laughs> so with 22s, they've got typically, because of rimfire, they have a blade-shaped firing pin. And that blade-shaped firing pin um, has to hit the rim of the case, and that rim of the case has to be supported on the other side of the rim, typically by the breech face or your, you know, your chamber wall, whatever you want to call it. And if you have no rim there, you don't have a shell on the gun, your firing pin is now interacting with basically your breech face. And you're going to smack your firing pin at full speed into the wall of your barrel, which will damage your firing pin. It's designed to hit brass. You're making it hit steel. Um, So there's a lot of 22s that I see come through, even with just standard wear on like nickel-plated stuff Mm -hmm. that have dented bent broken firing pins especially the older stuff what about the damage to the the chambers themselves and then yeah you you'll you'll nick or you'll create a burr create a burr that will fail to set off primers regularly your rims won't be dented well enough so you could experience even more failure to fires yeah it can cause other problems um Hmm. the training that produces more training (laughs) (laughs) yeah but dry fire practice with a center fire pistol shouldn't be a problem not not modern day guns the um older stuff you know what about a revolver with the firing pin attached to the hammer well that would be a tapered firing pin so it is potentially slapping the inside of the yep depends on again the age of the gun i've got some old smith and wessons that because of the way they're designed if you did break a firing pin it's not the end of the world it's got that roll pin you you replace the firing pin itself but if you had like an old colt or something like a Webley, which the firing pin is part of the hammer. There's no separation of components. Uh, you're going to want to use some sort of snap cap or just avoid dry firing. Um, Can you just drill out the hole for the firing pin a little bigger? And just well, you'll have case joke. ruptures after that. <laughs> that's a joke. So why would I want to dry fire practice? It's cheaper than shooting a bullet. What's the benefit of dry fire practice? Trigger control. Knowing where your break is, where your reset is. Right. What do you think about people? Like, I want people to know how to stage a trigger. Mm. I understand the concept of it's one smooth trigger pull. But if you don't know where the speed bump is. Yep. Right? So when I'm teaching new people, I want them to know where that trigger stops. And I want them to feel how much force it takes to press the trigger to the rear. And I want them to feel the reset. What's your opinion on that? Dangerous question. Uh, I mean, I feel the same way. I teach people how to test the reset, basically, and get to that limit and feel that there is always going to be a little bit, well, depending on what type of trigger system you're using, there's going to be a little bit of slack, Mm -hmm. a little bit of take up there, how you get through that slack, and then when you hit that wall, that's what I refer to it as. Me too. So once you hit that wall, that's where your pressure starts to really build before it finally breaks. So getting from zero pressure on the trigger to the wall to point break. Uh, that's, you know, that's pretty much it. Yeah. And, <clears throat> you know, people say, oh, that's dangerous. I'm like, well, if I've got the gun pointed at something and I've pulled the trigger that far, I'm probably not going to stop. 
You know what I'm saying? I would say it's more dangerous to not know where the trigger actually breaks. Well, and I'm usually trying to prevent someone from just snatching at the trigger. Right. Well, so for that particular reason, I had a big issue with my own personal shooting of preemptively pressing that trigger. So by the time my sights are on the target, I'm ready to pull the trigger. Or I'm already engaging the, you know. Yeah, you're staging as you come out. There's no going back. So once the gun's out, bam, I'm pulling the trigger. While I enjoy that, you know, that reflex-like feeling while I'm shooting, and I think it's a really cool skill to have, it is not very not very practical for self-defense because you may draw your gun and it may not require you to pull that trigger. Correct. Applicable for, like, competition, yeah. speed gunning. Only. Not applicable Only. Yeah, for it's not even applicable for tactical shooting. Self-defense, home defense, anything like that. Yeah. Um, I understand, too, the concept of let the shot surprise you. Yeah. But... You should know when the gun's going to go off. That's that's my take. Is I understand the concept of let the shot surprise you. You're you're applying that pressure, and you know. But I think you should know exactly when your gun is going to go off. But you only do that with dry fire practice and and shooting at the range. Yeah, it's only applicable for like you are. You have the time, you mm-hmm. have the wherewithal. You are testing accuracy. At every other time that you're shooting that gun, maybe besides hunting. Um, you're going to be well aware that that gun's about to go off. You're, you know, pulling to the wall. You're stopping out the wall. You're continuing through the wall. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think there's it's it's all about application, right? Um, either of you find that if you carry, I don't know how often Richard carries a gun that's different than his 43x, but and you've got pretty only, well only one gun. Yeah, only the one. So you're just pretty well in that. You know, you probably know your gun better than I do, but. Um, like I like today, I carried a Beretta instead of my you know, normal Glock 19 or whatever, and uh, I kind of have a habit. If I'm changing up guns today, I clear the gun, you know, put it in a holster, make sure there's no ammo anywhere, and then I draw the gun, point it like a light socket, and then press the trigger. And I do that like five or six times, and it kind of gets my brain rewired to this is how this gun is, this is how this trigger is. Remember that. Going forward, you're good. Yeah, because I worked today. I went home. I changed clothes, and I changed how I was carrying. So before I left the house, I mean, it's still my Glock 43, but I I went through dry draws because the gun is not where I normally wear it right. at work. No comments. <laughs> Richard's in overalls right now. Yeah. Say dry draws or dry drawers. Dry draws. You might have needed to change those out, too. <laughs> if it had gone off, quite probable. But, like, if, you, if you're used to a 1911... And suddenly you're carrying a Glock. A Glock. Or a Beretta double action. Yeah, or you're used to a Glock and suddenly you're carrying a 1911. Oh, yeah. Now these you're are, having... These are scenarios I used to find myself yeah. in. Don't anymore. Yeah, I kind of... I have to switch it up every once in a while just to remind myself why I carry the Glock. <laughs> because I get bored, but... Yeah. Um, certainly, I, it's useful to, I think, kind of remind yourself, hey, this is where that gun shoots. This yeah. is how it breaks. Well, and like when I'm camping, I'm carrying a revolver typically. So yeah. really, oh yeah, I just like a large caliber. Yeah, forty-four. Yep, largest caliber known to man. <laughs> I know what you're thinking. Mm. Did he shoot five or six? But uh, yeah, I just something about when I'm camping, I like the idea of the durability and the s- simplicity of a revolver as compared to a semi-automatic. There's probably nothing to it, but. When I'm hunting, when I'm camp, when I'm outdoors like that, I prefer a revolver. 
Yeah. Just because. Plus, it's a big honking caliber. Hog leg, as John Wayne would have said. Yeah. And, you know, my friend this week sent me a picture. He's got hogs loose in his neighborhood in the city. In Winston, right? Yeah, in Winston. And I'm like, you know, you could run into the something crazy anywhere. And I like the idea of a 44. Can you imagine like a 60 to 80 pound feral hog running through like Silas Creek Parkway? Just, well, these these just are like 100 pounds. Oh, goodness. 150 pounds. Yeah. Just like you're walking down the sidewalk and you get blindsided by yeah. feral pig with You're tusks. out there walking oh, your dog. Totally kill you. Oh, they've yeah. killed many people. Not, yeah. I don't know locally, but and so these, lots of people die from them. I think these were pets that got turned out because yeah. it got too expensive to feed both of those. They've now had two piglets. And you know the piglets are growing up feral, and it takes a hog about, I don't know, 30 days. To revert. To revert. I mean, they start growing their tusks back. Their hair gets longer. It's just a fly. Yeah, no, I just totally jumped like an, <laughs> a, a mile because something was crawling along my face. As we're talking about these. As we're talking about. Murderous hogs. Murderous hogs. <laughs> yeah. It just got me going. So, but anyway. So there are things you can do at the house, and, and people have that misconception about dry fire practice. Um I think it's well. Ben picks on me because I use that Sig two two six every single time. I only pick uh, pick on you because it's warranted. You broke the thing dry firing it like twice. But I've never broken the firings, the firing pin, or the firing right. Pin the spring. parts that actually matter. You just cycle the gun so much that the recoil spring breaks. Yeah, yeah. So, so I'm on my what third one? You're on your third one that I've replaced. Yeah, I don't know how many before that. <laughs> Just to dry fire. And, and I know. Because I always use that gun. You hear me in class doing that. A lot. Yeah. I know yeah. that gun does not get shot on the range as much as you use it in class <laughs> every week, just cycling it by hand and breaking recoil springs. Yep. Which, to be fair, the SIGS recoil spring in I, that gun was just weak in I some I do not way. like braided recoil springs they're for brutal. that reason. Because I've broken three of them. Yeah, they're brutal. So. I'll have to see if I can source like a flat recoil spring or. I'd be curious. Could, I'll spring. test it out. You order it. Yeah. Oh, I know you'll <laughs> test it. I'm aware. <laughs> well, I like that gun because it's so easy to take apart. So when I'm showing them how to clean the gun, maintain the gun, it's just easy to just flip that. That way you can look like a gun ninja in front of everybody. Jet never see that thing, yeah. Right. I literally had a guy in class one day. You just jet lead that? How did you do that? Yeah. Fifteen other people sitting around. but Yeah, yeah now we got to pay royalties to Jet Lee. All right, let's. No, do we don't. Just mentioning them. Oh, now, okay, so the last thing we're going to talk about today. I'd like to meet Jet Lee. Could we just get him? Can we just say we we ninjed? We ninjed, gun ninjed. <laughs> yeah. We karate'd that I gun. Realize we made it through the entire podcast, and we have not alienated a single potential sponsor. Kelly, go. For, <laughs> for if we ever do get, you know, that recognized, which I doubt, but uh, we hadn't we hadn't alienated a single Sponsor. I will say that I love my war bonnet tarp and I love my Dutch gear hammock. Uh, and my buddy ordered a Dutchwear chameleon hammock and he got their new seamless tarp. And Dutchwear makes good stuff, war bonnet makes good stuff. If you're old like me and sleeping on the ground isn't fun anymore, sleep in a hammock. I got the best night's sleep out there. I don't remember a time in which sleeping on the ground was ever fun for me. So, oh yeah, it must have just been old from birth. Well, a hammock changed my camping life. So, but anyway, anybody you want to dish on? 
This is my responsibility. No, oh, you're the you're you the best disher. You're you're the right. Or you yeah, could well, see see he does it so naturally we can't force him to do it. That's so. true. It's like be funny on command. Yeah, it just doesn't work out. Mm-hmm. You'll do it at some point. It's good. Mechanic. Mechanic. <laughs> just if you want a canic, <laughs> I can't help you. <laughs> That's good enough. To use yeah. that. <laughs> hey, what? You worked on some cool, you got a cool gun. I've got some really cool, like, I don't know if you would call them Prohibition era, but one of them's, like, I'm pretty sure a Pinkerton detective agency, or both of them, issued firearm from way back in, like, the teens or 20s. 19s. Um, or yeah, 20s. 19s or 20s. Uh, one of them's Mark Wells Fargo & Co., um, like a coach gun, so might have literally been on a stagecoach. Uh, the other one's just a really cool old rifle that you don't see too many of. Yeah, and that thing it was is cool. Well known to have been issued to federal agents back in the day, and so I'm excited to work on those. Haven't really got to them yet. That'll be coming up this week sometime. And um, then we'll have to listen to them geek out over. Oh, it'll be, yeah, it'll be a couple of days of it. Hundred year old rifles. Mm-hmm. But that they thing, do something to me, man. I don't know what. That thing was cool. No, they're excellent. That rifle. But anyway, very well built. Yeah. Oh, you don't Robust. see craftsmanship like it today. No. As, as old as that is, and as well maintained as it is, um, obviously you you threw that in a creek, just left it, it rot away. But it looks brand new almost. Well, like, that's like that CZ I have. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's a CZ twenty seven. It was made in nineteen forty three. You can tell somebody hand fit the parts yep. inside that gun. It's like a piece. It's like a pocket watch. Yeah. It's crazy. Anyway, cool. Well, I, I know y'all want to go home, so I'll be back tomorrow for concealed carry. I'll be here in the morning. Cool. I have a birthday party to go to. Your daughter's turning two. Yay. Congratulations. So even though this will air after that, we'll say happy birthday to your daughter. What's her name? Clara. All right. Happy birthday, Clara. Happy birthday. We'll do you a favor and not sing. <laughs> right? Yes, that's... <laughs> your, I think yep. that's a favor to listeners too yeah 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 not just we're, gonna we're not doing retain that. we'll work on our uh three-man acapella <laughs> get back to you on that <laughs> yeah all right well y'all have a good week we hope you enjoyed the podcast and uh we will we will talk at you later i always say we'll see you later i don't know why but i think it's just a colloquialism for bye yeah ciao y'all have a good week practice 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 don't forget your dry fire stay safe have fun. Yeah, follow your safety rules. Make sure you're not dry firing in the same area that you have live ammo. Yep. So you never risk loading your gun with live ammo. Yes. Be safe. Oh, I self-edited on that one. Yep. Believe it. <laughs> hmm? Don't take anybody else's word for it. You're going to make me say it, Alec Baldwin. Anyway, y'all have a good week. <laughs> we'll talk to y'all later. <laughs>